This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process and for authors to learn valuable tips on producing and marketing your audiobooks. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to talk about children's books today and in a way that I haven't really covered before. Today, we're going to talk about a kind of marketing approach for children's books and a way to get from where you are with a finished manuscript, whether or not it has already been published in print or ebook formats, and how you can leverage that by working together with other children's book authors. Let's get started. First of all, if you have a children's book or children's story, we'll say, and you feel like it's ready, it's been edited, it's well done, but you're in a position where you have not dealt with any illustrations, maybe you have some ideas, but many times the cost of illustrations can be prohibitive or very challenging at the very least. And then if you're going the indie publishing route, of course, you would need to have those illustrations done yourself, meaning you would be in charge of those. If you're going the traditional publisher route, then most often you are not going to want to be doing those yourself in advance because the publishers themselves will usually prefer that they handle that aspect. But we're mostly talking with indie authors, so that's where we're going to put our emphasis today. One of the things that you can consider when you have a story that's written, if you're thinking about doing it as audio only or audio first, you may want to go back through your manuscript and really pay attention to what sounds are suggested. There are many ways to suggest sounds. Some is simply by mentioning items or beings that typically have a sound associated with them. A simple example is a door closing or a dog barking. Obviously, those are sounds that we automatically associate in our minds. Some writing is rich with those kinds of references, and some is almost devoid of them. And then there's, of course, lots that's in between. If you're considering audio production, you really want to enrich that language as much as you can with suggestions that will draw in the kinds of sounds that might be appropriate. As you were writing the story, you may have had those thoughts already. For example, if you were writing about a child playing outside in the woods, 
You may have imagined as you were writing it, the birds chirping and the scuttle of leaves as, you know, little creatures moved about under the trees. But you may not have mentioned those in the actual text. Now, there are a couple of ways to approach that. If you would like to have those sounds included, but you don't think it's appropriate to add it to the text, then you could simply make notes about that for your audiobook producer, that those are the sounds that you think should be there. Alternatively, you could start to build into the text some references. So, for example, if we have the sound of scuttling leaves, it might be helpful to mention that in the text. And the reason being that it is a kind of sound that is less automatically defined by the sound itself. A door closing sounds like a door closing most of the time. A dog barking, pretty obvious it's a dog barking. When we have things like rain, which is almost more like a white noise, kind of shh, and may not be clearly identifiable as rain unless it's referenced, those kinds of sounds can be best used when there is already a text reference within the story. As you work your way through the story, you might read a page and then close your eyes and imagine what that might sound like. Oftentimes, you may have environmental sounds that could be included, such as an outdoor ambiance or the sounds of a city or sounds at an airport, or the sounds at a mall, or the sounds at a birthday party. These are sort of general atmospheric sounds that can be applied to a longer segment of text. And then overlaid on top of that may be more specific story-related sounds, such as, she dropped her scissors, and we hear the sound of scissors dropping. Now again, with a sound like that, If we're not referring to it in the text, even though it might be appropriate from an environmental standpoint, if we hear that sound, we're not going to know what it is. It could be any number of things that just dropped to the floor. So there is a kind of a weaving and an understanding of what the story is telling and conveying and how the soundscape can support that story and build on that story, and we don't want it to overtake the story. Another aspect of audiobook production, whether it's for children's books or books for adults, if the sounds themselves start to overtake and become more important from a listening attention standpoint, then I think that's problematic. We want the story to be the central focus. I also want to say that there are times in stories where maybe environmental sounds or such are not as helpful to conveying the story. It may be a story that's largely about emotions and perhaps in a context where there's not a lot of movement and I mean physical movement that suggests these kinds of sounds. In a situation like that, we typically would look for music that is going to support the emotional flow 
of the story. That can be a more challenging process in that music has a certain feel to some people that maybe is different for other people. There's a little bit of personal, not preference so much as response that uh, can play into it. But just as with film, where we have a musical scoring that is supporting the emotional context and the emotional story that's happening, the same can happen with audiobooks. There are many instruments and types of melody, whether they're in major key or minor key, or that will affect us in some consistent ways. And I think that we have that experience probably every day with music, where some music just feels upbeat and makes us feel happy for the most part, makes most people feel happy, and some that sort of makes us feel pensive or makes most of us feel pensive. So I think that there is enough consistency there that we're able to select music that's appropriate for whatever the given emotional context of the story is. Let's take a short pause, and when we come back, we'll talk about a way to partner up with other children's authors to help you get your work out to a broader audience. Looking for a way to bring your children's book to life in an engaging way for young ones? At Pro Audio Voices, we bring together decades of experience with audio production, teaching, and parenting to craft a listening experience that will delight children and parents alike. If you're looking for an experienced team to bring your children's book to life in audio, check out ProAudioVoices.com. Okay, so let's talk about a way that you can take your one story and get it to a wider audience. Now, here's the thing. If you only have one story, that's fine. This can also work very well for if you have multiple stories. You could do this on your own in terms of creating a collection of stories, but there are benefits and advantages to working with other authors who are writing to the same target market that you're writing to. In order to determine best who those people are, who those authors are, you need to get clear on the target market for your stories. Remember that with children's stories, of course, it is the parents and grandparents and other adults, typically, who are doing the buying. So are these parents or grandparents who are trying to deal with behavioral challenges that their kids may be experiencing? Are these adults who are helping their kids with challenges at school, whether that's social or academic? Are they imaginative stories, trying to help children really get their imaginations going wild to encourage creative play and that sort of thing? Whatever area you're working in with your stories that's a good place to start. Regardless of whether you do a collection of stories with another children's author, it's very beneficial to get clear on this piece and to get clear on who are the other authors who are writing for the same target market in the same genre 
because these are good partners for you. Remember that the need for children's stories, and many of them, is great. That having others writing in the same genre to the same target market is a good thing for you. They are not competition. They are actually your allies. With that in mind, who are those authors that you might like to reach out to to suggest a collaborative audiobook project? You might be asking, why would I want to do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that each author that is participating is going to have a vested interest in helping spread the word. That means your story or book is also getting in front of the audience that has already been or become followers of other authors that are writing in the same genre as you. That's a good thing. Another is that when you do a collection for an audiobook, especially, that collection then is going to have a longer playing time. While it's perfectly fine to have a four or five minute length audiobook for a children's book, think about the benefits overall for parents, grandparents, as well as for the kids themselves of having a collection of stories. Adults can purchase one audiobook and have a range of authors and stories that their kids can listen to that are addressing similar kinds of concerns or kinds of issues or areas of interest that the parents would like to explore. This will also help once you have a group of authors who are working together. This will help with the cost of audiobook production. Even though children's books are very short, there is still sort of a base cost that is going to be incurred just to do the work itself for the project. When the project is just a little bit bigger, and in the case of kids' books, let's say, if the audiobook is 45 minutes long instead of five minutes long, then that same base cost is likely to stay about the same. And the additional costs for each book is going to be nominal. So you're going to be able to spend less, reach more, and get a longer audiobook done all at the same time. Now, you might be asking yourself, or me, how you're going to reach those other authors. Well, first of all, you want to identify who they are and make yourself a good long list if you can, because not everyone is going to respond. That's just typical. Now, if you're a member of a group like SCBWI, where maybe you have a local chapter meeting or some other way in which members of your chapter can communicate, you could put out the word in a context like that to reach out to other authors that might be an appropriate fit for this project. You can also find authors in places like Amazon or Goodreads, and if they're on your list of likely targets for collaborators, then you can reach out to them through those places. Not everyone is going to provide their direct website or direct contact information, but the smart ones will have some way that you're able to reach out to them. It might be a contact form on their website. It might be a phone number. In any case, 
making the attempt. And if they make it impossible for you to reach them, you can cross them off your list. But go ahead and reach out to the others. Remember that it's not just you who will benefit from this. It's all of the participating authors who are winners in this kind of project. And then once you get to that place where you have a group of authors who are ready to do the project together, I just want to briefly mention that distribution is going to be important to you. And trying to distribute through the main channels may present some specific challenges. Doing an audio only or audio first is very challenging or potentially impossible through the main distribution channels, but it is possible through the Pro Audio Voices Amplify program. Not only does Amplify make it possible, it also will earn you much higher royalties and can provide all of your authors who are participating as direct users of the vendor dashboard so that everyone can see reports, everyone knows what the sales data is, and that's a a big win for everybody as well. So that whatever your arrangements are in terms of royalty divisions, that can happen most easily and with some transparency. If you have any questions about any of these ideas, I'd be happy to talk with you about them. You can reach us at proaudiovoices.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.